darkness. That's the first thing I remember. It was dark, it was cold, and I was scared. But then, then I saw the moon. It was so big and it was so bright. It seemed to chase the darkness away. And when it did, I wasn't scared anymore. Why I was there and what I was meant to do, that I've never known. And a part of me wonders if I ever will. Welcome to the second episode of Flappe Bombs. I am your host, Sakari Westbrook, and this is my co-host... Ariane de Gagné-Leclerc. Yay, fancy. Uh, this is a podcast where Ariane and I watch movies that tanked at the box office, and we're asking, was this really a terrible movie that just somehow got a lot of money thrown at it? Was it a movie that got shanked in production? Like, there's a good movie hiding there, but then, you know... It's just hiding. (laughs) It's just hiding. Or is this actually a good movie that people sort of overlooked and deserves to be uh, brought back? Yes. Mm. And so today we're talking about Rise of the Guardians, Uh, The animated picture with uh, Chris Pine playing Jack Frost, uh, as well as uh, Alec Baldwin, Jude Law, and Hugh Jackman, and Isla Fisher. Hey, hey, put me down. I hope the Yetis treated you well. Oh, yeah. I love being shoved in a sack and tossed through a magic portal. Oh, good. That was my idea. You know Barney, obviously. Mm -hmm. Obviously. And the tooth fairy? Hello, Jack. I've heard a lot about you. And your teeth. My, my what? Open up. Are they really as white as they say? Yes. <gasps> oh, they really do sparkle like freshly fallen snow. Girls, pull yourselves together. Let's not disgrace the uniform. And Sandman? Sandy? Sandy? Wake up! This movie is actually the kind of movie that I wanted to watch when I thought of this theme for the podcast because it actually is pretty good. Mm. It's it's an impressive, uh, cute storyline with nice graphics, and it's it's fun to follow. It's a, it's a super cool Christmas movie. It really is. Um, so we're going to get to the animation in a minute, uh, but first let's just go through the plots, what's happening here. So we start with this boy... Um, underwater. He's underwater. He looks to be, what, physically, like, 16, 17 years old? Ish. Something like that. And they say he was born there. First thing I thought is, why are you born with black eyebrows and white hair? (laughs) But he's born died. He's born died. (laughs) Yes. It took me so long. When you made that joke when we were watching it, I was just like... Don't you mean dead? Do you mean born dead? I mean, I know English isn't your first language, but come on. (laughs) No, no, he was literally born died. Took me way too long to understand that joke. Uh, So yeah, so so that's Jack Frost, and he has uh, this power to control ice and freezing. And at one point, he makes a ice bunny rabbit that, like, jumps through the air. Like, it's kind of flying. And it's the cutest thing. 
But every uh, the animation in that movie is amazing. Like everything looks like a painting. Every shot looks like some kind of picture. It is, yeah. Um, well, it's because it's originally based on a series of books for kids, and they the animators took a lot of inspiration from the illustrations for the book, and so it does have that very kids book illustration vibe to it. Yeah, very dreamy. Yeah, beautiful. Speaking of dreamy, Hugh Jackman. <laughs> uh, he plays the Easter Bunny, who in this particular uh, movie universe is Australian. Um, they make sure that if you didn't know that, you will. <laughs> and it was actually really cool getting to hear Hugh Jackman in his native accent. Uh, other than Australia, I can't think of a movie where Hugh Jackman has gotten to be uh, a real Aussie. Easter is... New beginnings, new life. Easter's about hope, and now it's gone. Yeah, which is pretty cool. I really like the idea that he he's done so many movies without his accent and just like went away with it, and you could totally forget he's from there. Oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah. I think Australian actors, because like the Hemsworth brothers are Australian. Chris and Liam Hemsworth. Oh, we need to see faces. I suck. Thor and okay. the guy from Hunger Games mm-hmm. that didn't look like a marshmallow. <laughs> okay. The one with personality. Like now the Miss Korea. Yeah, no. D- did you see the Hunger Games? No, I didn't. Oh, I okay, okay. Okay. Because like... I, I was afraid I'd be too pissed because this is the kind of like stuff that we see... Like, it's just enhancing violence. Like, I, this is the kind of movie that would make me angry as fuck. Oh, I want to watch that now. <laughs> with, with you in particular. I mean, I've already seen it. But, you know, there's this love triangle with, um, you got Jennifer Lawrence, who is wonderful and electric in just everything she does. And then there's Liam Hemsworth, who is a skinnier discount version of his brother, who played Thor. And then there's this other kid, Josh something, who plays a character named Peta, who is just the absolute worst. He is the blandest. Actor-wise or character-wise? It's a little bit of both. The script does not give the actor a lot to work with. But he can't work with that little either. He he doesn't really make much with it, no. He doesn't, you know... Um, he doesn't make hay as it was, but anyway, uh, so yeah, Hunger Games. Oh, we might, we might have to watch that. I know it was incredibly successful. That's why they got like four movies out of the series. But well, Twilight uh, also has a lot of movies and oh. it's still shit. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Oh no, we're, we're, we're going to come back to Twilight. We're going to come back to Twilight in a minute. Twilight, Twilight is relevant to our topic. Which, which cannot is, be said of anything else. I know. It's like, <laughs> that is not a sentence you get to say very often. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh, Twilight. So yeah, back to Rise of the Guardians. Um, so yeah, you've got uh, the you got Jack Frost, the Easter Bunny. Uh, then you've got uh, Santa Claus, voiced by Alec Baldwin, doing a bad Russian accent. Yes, he sounds like me. He doesn't <laughs> have good English. <laughs> yeah, but he's doing like a fake bad English. Yeah, well, it's a fake bad Russian English. Yeah. It's like many things put together that don't necessarily need to be put together. It was an odd choice to make St. Nicholas Russian, considering the original St. Nicholas was Turkish. Who are you, Jack Frost? What is your center? 
my center? If man and moon chose you to be a guardian, you must have something very special inside. What do you see? Uh, you have big eyes. Yes! Big eyes, very big, because they are full of wonder. That is my center. It is what I was born with, eyes that have always seen the wonder in everything. Eyes that see lights in the trees and magic in the air. This wonder is what I put into the world. So we have a, a Russian Santa Claus with tattoos that does ice sculptures yep. and loves people. Yeah. Russians love people. <laughs> Never said anything else. <laughs> Especially love each other, too. Yes. Um, well, they got those long winters. At the beginning, we see him make this like ice train that's on this like Hot Wheels track, and then it ends up flying, and it gets destroyed by a Yeti because it's in this continuity or in this universe it's yetis that make the toys for santa claus not the elves yeah the elves are just there like they're everywhere but we don't really see them do anything much than being in like something that bothers their feet but they're better than the minions i shall never watch a minion movie yeah they're so much better than the minions so much better but roughly the same sort of like type of character um and then last up is isla fisher uh, playing the Tooth Fairy. Why would Pitch take the teeth? It's not the teeth he wanted. It's the memories inside them. What do you mean? That's why we collect the teeth, Jack. They hold the most important memories of childhood. And she looks so beautiful. She's basically, um, she's a hummingbird kind of fairy. Yeah. And she's got tiny, tiny little fairy friends who just help her get tooth, teeth. Oh, that was really weird. <laughs> I wish I could edit that, but you're gonna keep that. <laughs> uh, well, she, it's not just the it's not just the little hummingbird fairies that help her though, which is a fun note that you picked up on. Well, uh, they when they one one time they just decide they end up having to go to Europe and to pick up teeth because all those little fairies. The, the hummingbird fairies get captured by the bad guy, mm -hmm. so then the main characters have to go. Do, go like one night to pick up all the teeth um for people to keep believing in that right this movie has a blatant disregard for the concept of time zones mm -hmm. it's like mm -hmm. it's like it's this always the same time of day everywhere in the world so they can like oh we're gonna get all the teeth tonight and then fix this problem tomorrow so when they go to europe they 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 think they're like they're about to hit when they find a, a little mouse under the pillow, it's like, oh, is there one more enemy from the other bad guy? What's his name already? Pitch. Pitch. <laughs> so he's like, oh, is, it, is he working with Pitch? He's like, nah, they're our friends. They're the little mice. The, the French, uh, how did they call that? It's like the European... Union? The European... Committee. No, not the European Union. It was like... <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Take it easy there, champ. He's one of us. Part of the European division. Ça va? European squad, European um, something. Companion? Can't, but but no, because in French, that's how they call the, um, the tooth fairy. They call it uh, la petite souris, like the little mouse. Yeah. So there was a very cute, like, wink at it. Yeah, I, I like the fact that they did, like, like, some level of research on that. Except that still, again, time zone. Yeah, yeah, the time zones thing. 
um, time in general, because we know that the whole thing, because t- we get to Easter, and at the beginning of the movie, it's established that there's like it's supposed to be like a, a couple of weeks until Easter. So the whole thing covers a couple of weeks, and like the whole Tooth Fairy thing, it's, it, yeah. And then right away, it's like Christmas. <laughs> oh, see here. Not a long Do we get, time after. Yeah, it's not it's not long after there. So yeah, like the time like the, the timeline on this movie is really wonky. Uh, so that that's a little bit irritating if you're the kind of person that's gonna overthink it. But it's a kid movie. Right. So we just have to overlook a couple of things, I guess. Kids don't have a good sense of time, so that's something you can sacrifice you tell them, the movie for them. You tell them it's eight PM, they'll go to sleep. Yeah. Even though it's six and you just want to rest. <laughs> Are you speaking from experience here? Babysitting? Ah, okay. <laughs> the, the kids I would babysit when I was in high school um, were not that gullible. Oh. They, they, I think they were old enough to tell time. I don't know how old yours were. But I make it believable and hide all the clocks. Ah! <laughs> That's the answer. Mm-hmm. Well, the whole, the idea of the story, why they're doing that, Yes. So yeah. So their ancient enemy um, is Pitch, who Pitch Black. Pitch Black. Yeah. Uh, who is less a send up to a particularly good Vin Diesel movie. But anyway, it's less a send up to that. But it's he represents fear. Looks like Hades. A little bit. I again, like my first thought was he actually looked like the bad guy from a series of unfortunate events. Um, but I think I think a lot of that had to do with like the animation style mm-hmm. being a little more like a book illustration. Um, but yeah, I definitely saw the Hades thing once you pointed that out. So he's into fear, and people don't want to have fear, so they chase yes. him away many years ago. But then the movie starts in a setting where he comes back and tries to mess with everything. Right. And yeah, the Let's see here. Like, like, the spiritual, representative, metaphorical, whatever side of this movie is also super, super confusing. Because, because yeah, like... So opposites. Is, therefore, therefore, opposite forces, but they're not always, like... Yeah, but, like, so he's supposed to be, like, fear or, like, fear of the dark or something. But then they talk about how, like, nobody believes in him today. And I'm like, people, lots of people believe in fear today. Fear is a huge thing today. Yeah. Um, so that, that was a little bit odd. I wasn't entirely sure, like, what that was supposed to represent. And why would he never, like, the, the point of, like, him not having been there for so many years doesn't make sense. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. Because you're always a bit fearful of... Something. Stuff you don't... It's more like he's the unknown, I guess. Yeah. I again represented the dark, things you can't see. Um, and yeah, there's lots of stuff we don't know about that we're still worried about. So... Yeah, that's that's. It seemed really, really odd that people had stopped believing in him somehow, or like how his power worked exactly was sort of odd. Plus, and this is kind of a personal thing, but like the whole idea of like fear being the villain, I get it. I've seen it in a lot of movies, but at the same time, you know, fear is the thing that like it's kicks. It's constructive. It makes you do things. Yeah, like it kicks in the adrenaline, and it. it Physically, it's able to make you do things. Mentally, it it does... Well, fear is the mind killer. Mm. It is the little death. I do like, though, I do like that they had that few seconds of 
making you think, do you know if Frost is good or bad? Because in a way, Frost is a very versatile kind of thing, th depending on how you think about Frost. Mm -hmm. uh, so I did like that they kind of wanted him to be on the edge of like, okay, it could be with fear, and then imagine how it would end up. That would be kind of intense. Yeah. But like he's, he's that kind of on-the-line character. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, he's very mischievous and... He's kind of a party boy at yep. the beginning. He's a high schooler. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so this thing, like, when we first get to see him using his powers, he's just sort of playing around with these kids. Um, but then... And sad that no no one can see him and he's just never included everywhere. I think that makes him bitter. That's yeah. why he plays tricks. Right. And so, yeah, so there's almost this sense, like, he could go the direction of, like, you know, like, Praise me! Uh, that he he doesn't obviously, but um, but yeah, he isn't this. It isn't this black and white sort of character with him. Mm -hmm. um, only his eyebrows are black and white. Yeah, his eyebrows and his hair. But then, uh, yeah, he's. Uh, I liked that they de they they developed his storyline on his own yes. over just the little. Because if they just had gone for what he did in the story, that would that could have been much more shallow. But we get to know why he does things the way he does mm -hmm. through the movie. Yeah, plot. What I think character development story character arc wise the movie is much much stronger than its story because yeah when you look at the story you look at like the mythology what these characters represent um how what these characters are after um a lot of times like the danger doesn't really have like a lot of like it's not scary it's not tense it's not got substance it's not actually a scary stressful movie no. which is good in a way but yeah it's you never feel like there was any threat it's more like right. okay that's bothersome we have to find a solution but not oh geez the world is going down yeah so yeah we're never really invested in like getting rid of pitch we're never actively like rooting for pitch to go down I mean, it is very much a foregone conclusion. Of course, it's a foregone conclusion in almost every single movie out there. But, like, they never make it really seem all that dangerous. It's really more about... Um, the relationship between all of those different abilities. Like, yeah. fear versus hope versus... What is it? Joy? Wonder? wonder? One, Santa, so, yeah. So, Santa Claus says that he represents wonder. Um, the Easter Bunny says that he represents hope. Being spring, Sandman seems to. Oh, okay. The the uh, the Tooth Fairy is like childhood memories, because mm -hmm. like all the important memories from childhood get stored in your teeth. That's pretty neat. I like that. That is a cute idea. And Sandman, we're not really sure what he represents exactly. I, I feel I feel like it's like safety. Because that's the safety of sleep and the things you love make you feel safe. Because then if you make it opposite, like since the, like fear got in the dreams at mm -hmm. one point and that was kind of killing it. So I feel yeah. like it's the opposite. But what is the opposite of fear? If it's not hope, if it's... Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I can see safety being the opposite of fear. Yeah. That would make sense. And then Jack Frost kind of, yeah, he sort of represents, like, fun. Yeah, I think it's some kind of, yeah, fun and, yeah, fun. Yeah, they don't really beat you over the head with that, which which, which is, is nice. Yeah, but at the same time, they do, they specifically say some of them and not the others, so it's right. kind of, you, something's kind of missing. 
But the arc of Jack Frost going from this, is it party boy, uh, high school kid, to accepting this role as a guardian of childhood, as more of a big brother character, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. that is done really, really well. It's smooth and it's, you, you get in the story and you believe it. It's not just like they're giving you facts so you have to take it. You actually get to see them come in. Yeah. And when he, and when he does embrace that role as this more like a big brother character, it's, it's a really great moment. It is like you, you got teared up. I cried, but he's super cute. Like it's like the nicest big brother in the world. I don't know if we go for spoilers or not at that point. <laughs> this movie's like four years old. People don't get to complain about spoilers with a four-year-old movie. No, they don't. But then, yeah, there's nothing more cutesy brotherly than saving your little sister, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so we get, yeah, we get a bit of a flashback. Uh, we find out that Jack Frost Was had not been always human. white-haired! He wasn't always white-haired, yeah. He, he was, in fact, died. Uh, died by the moon. I don't want to talk about the moon in a minute. But, yeah, so we ha- we get this flashback where we find out that he used to be human. Um, he fell through this frozen... He fell through the ice in this frozen pond to rescue his little sister from falling through the ice. Um, and so he froze and drowned uh, a fairly horrific death. Uh, and yeah. then the moon... Brings him back. Yeah, brings him back to life as a essentially incorporeal spirit who's able to control ice because ice already existed. He's just able to play he's with it. Able, yeah, he's just able to manipulate it. Mm-hmm. Um, so. And then, yes, he is fun because if you think about it, the way he saved his sister was like by bringing fun in and like, to take over fear. Well, yeah, they were already ice skating and then he like turns it into a, he turns rescuing her into a game because she's freaked out. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, so he's got the, he's this fun big brother and then he gets to big brother, the human kids that the guardians are trying to keep believing in them because if people stop believing in them, they turn invisible and then they don't have powers and they can't do what they should be doing to protect exactly. kids happiness. Childhood. I think this is the guardians of childhood. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I remember that from the books, it's a good, it's a good two, two bucks of Kleenex uh, kind of movie. <laughs> two tears. It is, I think it's a really great movie for kids. Um, good family movie, um, especially if your kids are getting tired of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and Elf. Please, not Elf. One time is enough. Oh, really? You're anti-Elf? I'm not anti-Elf. I just saw it once and I wouldn't re-watch it. That's interesting. Okay. I don't... Yeah. Some some actors, I don't really like to watch them forever. Will Ferrell or Zoe Deschanel? The I'm talking about maybe it's not the right one. The one that's super big and that's like the kid that's been raised as an elf. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That one. Yeah, that's that, Will Ferrell. Okay. Yeah, Will Will Ferrell. Um, something of an acquired taste. Yeah. It's like mushroom. You need to take a lot if you want to like it. And I don't want to take a lot of him. <laughs> Next call. <laughs> Phrasing. <laughs> Oh, that was good. Okay, so yeah, so no, this is this is it's a really great film. Um, Sadly, and, but yeah, it, it highly underperformed at the box office, and the adjusted for adjusted for inflation. Bleh, 
Um, having some trouble enunciating today. Adjusted for inflation, the movie lost about $90 million for DreamWorks. Despite uh, the box office gross actually being over the production cost, which is some really weird, it's one of those really weird things. Like when you start looking into the way Hollywood does its accounting, because uh, you see this number for like the production budget mm-hmm. and like, okay, that's how much this movie costs. And, you know, in the last 10 years, there have been these huge, huge numbers, you know, 100, 200 million dollars. Um, I think, I think 200, I think it was $250 million for the last Avengers movie. Oh, geez. Yeah. But that's the production cost. That doesn't actually include things like, um, advertising, distribution. And then of course, uh, when you start getting into like international distribution, there's huge taxes and that sort of thing that have to be done. So they don't add all those up when they think about the price. You only have the production price there. Yeah. So the thing for any given movie, we don't actually know how much money gets sunk into it. Mm. Um, so all of these, all of these lists where they talk about like how much money a certain movie lost, it's an estimate. Oftentimes, we will get a solid idea of how much the production cost was, but I've never, ever seen a movie, uh, a production company, release the finances on the production as well as advertising distribution and all of that. But what about this one? Is it different for this one? um, So, yeah, I don't know what... So, if you look at the numbers on this movie, the box office gross, uh, domestic and international was higher than the production value or the production cost. So it sh- it looks like it should have made money. But at the end of uh, 2012 or in like the next quarter fiscal of the next fiscal year, something, something accounting. Um, yeah. DreamWorks ended up writing off 90 million on the movie and they ended up having to fire around 200, I think, people from the animation department. This is completely nuts. It's such a good movie. Um, But yeah, so, because yeah, it is. It's a really high quality movie uh, that got sort of overlooked. And the reason it got overlooked is (laughs) other movies. So this is released in November of 2012. Uh, it was the third weekend um, of 2012. The first weekend of 2000 of November 2012, they released Skyfall. So of course, any James Bond movie is going to dominate the box office for a week or two. But this was bloody Skyfall. Mm-hmm. It's. It was not just a James Bond. Yeah. It was the James Bond. It was one. It's in like everyone's top five James Bond movies. Um, for me, anyway, it's it's like neck and neck with you know Goldfinger, <laughs> for being like the best Bond movie. It was just so perfect, um, despite like the villain's plan making absolutely no sense. Well, that often happens. Anyway, that's that's rarely the what we care about when we watch those movies. <laughs> it's true. So, so yeah, so Skyfall had the male audience locked down for all of November that month. Mm-hmm. And then the second week of November, they released the fifth and final Twilight movie. Eek. Yes. So, but again, like, so first off, it's a Twilight movie. All of those were obviously massive runaway successes, but this was the last one. And so, you know, it's kind of like when... 
they had like the finale of like friends and there were all of these people who hadn't watched the show in like two or three years who were like, well, I'll watch the last episode. Yeah. So you have all these people who, you know, weren't necessarily on the bandwagon from the beginning. They or... want to see what's happening. So they, they just marathon the whole thing and go watch yeah, the last. They caught up on the DVDs later on or like a friend of theirs turned them on to it. So yeah, so the last Insert movie. puke. Yes. So, <laughs> so the last movie obviously was going to have the biggest audience of the entire series. And, and that... they were too silly and decided to release the movie then. That was like the stupidest decision in the world. Yeah, it was the weekend after. But I think what, because when you look at the advertising that they did for the movie, they knew that that was going to be the, the situation because the advertising for the movie is extremely kid oriented. They wanted to to get the rest of the population. Yeah. But who brings those kids to the theater? Well, the thing, kids don't really know celebrities. But, so, no, what I mean is moms bring them oh, yeah, to yeah. the theater, but moms will go see the shiny weirdities that are... <laughs> yeah, anyway. Twilight, yes. So, yeah, like... But I mean, this thing is, parent like, families is not a huge... Moneymaker. Yeah, it's not a big audience for movies um, because, I mean, a lot of kids are not going to sit still through a whole movie in a theater. So moms would rather wait and make them watch it at home. Exactly. Um, That's what my parents always did when I was little. Mm -hmm. And I know a lot of my friends who have kids, it's the same thing. Like, some of my kids, some of my friends, some of my kids. Oh, you got kids. I thought you only had August. Yes, just August. Just like, he can't sit still through a movie either. He's impossible. I can't take him anywhere. Um, (laughs) But he, but yeah, so like my, a lot of my friends who have kids have just never, ever taken their kid to a movie. And some of their kids are, It's a good experience to actually get them to try sit still. Yeah, but I think, yeah. You need to be mentally prepared to be annoyed the whole time. Yeah. So, so yeah, I think with six, seven-year-old kids, um, you know, maybe you might start taking them, but, yeah, it's it's just not that big. It's just not that big an audience. Um, and so, and, yeah, you already had two huge movies completely dominating not only people going to see the theaters, going to the theater to see the movies, but also just the advertisements. Because again, new James Bond movie, last Twilight movie, from an advertising perspective, that stuff is just magnetic. You and don't actually need to do much. Everybody will look to find more. Yeah, you can put up a bunch of black posters that say Twilight 5 or Twilight the final movie. That's all you have to do for your advertising campaign. That's your whole thing right there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Rise of the Guardians, yes, it's based on a series of kids' books that have... But I have never heard of it before, personally, so I, I'm i one of the people that might not have watched it. Well, I haven't watched it when it came out, but... Right. Yeah, you didn't see it in the theaters. I didn't see it in the theaters. Um, Which is a shame. I would have liked it. Yeah, it's... Like, all that, like, magic, like, sleep powder effect would have been great on a big screen. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if they released it in 3D. I don't I don't remember it looking at that. It was magical. Because I hate 3D movies. Why? Because the 3D doesn't add anything to the movie experience. It just means I have to wear uncomfortable glasses and potentially get a headache. But some movies actually make it really neat. I have not seen a movie where the 3D effect was in any way more interesting than the the two D than the effect same effect in two D even that one movie that with the blue people oh you mean Avatar it was nice with three D I didn't care 
They're... I liked their 3D. I just, meh. No, nothing about Avatar made me care about anything that was happening. Also, I was kind of angry at Avatar when it first came out because I didn't see that one in the theaters. Um, yeah, so I didn't actually see that one in 3D. I'll give you that. But uh, I was actually angry about that because um, so I was teaching at a university at the time and on the subway uh, between my apartment, on the subway ride between my apartment and the school, uh, we, the train would go by this big um, shopping mall that had a multiplex in it. And in the weeks leading up to the release of Avatar, they had a giant poster for a movie called uh, The Imaginarium of Dr. Parnassus. That movie was good. It was good. It was so good. Um, and Was it not what the last movie that he, he got? Yeah, Heath Ledger. Ledger. Yeah. And that's why they changed them into so many, right? It was not supposed to be changed like yeah, it, different actors. It yeah. made it good though. It was. It was really interesting. Great so, movie. so yeah, at the at the end, um I think they had let's see here. Yeah, they had Jude Law, I think Ewan McGregor. Isn't Johnny Depp also in there? Johnny Depp, that's the third one. Yeah. So like the, the Heath Ledger character switches actors. No, it wasn't Ewan McGregor. No no no, it was the guy from uh from True Detective season two and Phone Booth. Oh, the, 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 the slightly douchey Irish guy who was really good in The Lobster. Should I write this on Google? The guy on Lobster. The guy from The Lobster. Surely you saw The Lobster. No. You didn't see The Lobster? No. Oh, you would love that movie. You would love that movie so much. Oh, man. That is, at, like, that movie is exactly your alley. Um, okay, phone booth. There's people listening to this podcast right now going Colin like, Farrell Colin Farrell they've been shouting his name at their uh, at their iPod or iPhone or whatever they're listening to this on they've been shouting his name for like the last 30 minutes 30 seconds it's Colin Farrell it's Colin Farrell but yeah. yes so yeah, it was Colin Farrell Jude Law the switch the characters anyway so the this big multiplex this is in Seoul South Korea by the way so a so like Dr. Parnassus was kind of a small movie anyway mm -hmm. and so any kind of a small movie like that getting released here is already something kind of a, almost on par with a miracle so and that so movie took over the poster and then and they then stopped and it was in the theaters literally one weekend they just shunned it out because of the other movie because of avatar because avatar and dr parnassus got released in korea at least i don't know about the states but it got released in seoul south korea on the same weekend and oh, but the other movie is so much better. I agree. Yeah. Much better than Avatar. Yeah. So Dr. Parnassus disappeared after just like two or three days. Um, and Avatar was just playing in absolutely every single theater everywhere. So I was really angry at Avatar. I still think that it would have been nice with 3D. Sure. I mean, the effects were the only thing that were even remotely interesting about the movie, so there's that. See, you're going to make it. What are you saying? The story was cute. Characters were cute. It it was dances with wolves with I'm, cat people. I'm talking about this one. Wait. I'm talking about the Guardians. Oh, right. It was the 3D was with Avatar. it. Okay. No, 3D would have been cute with this because they have a lot of magic things going on. And the Tooth Fairy would have looked super cute. Like all the little birds going around flying close to your nose. It would have been super cute. <laughs> okay. Point over. 
Next question. The, the four, I, what, what I think would have made the movie better would be like the 4D thing. If they could like make you cold when Jack Frost is doing his thing. Ooh, like a fun. cold wind coming like around your ankle or something. Exactly. I like the 4Ds, but they never do that. They, they, they had um 4D uh, cinema in, in Disneyland or something. Mm. That was nice. But I've never seen that in any other place. I guess it's hard to actually deal with. I've been to a couple 4D movies here in Seoul. Oh. Yeah. What about 5Ds? When they, I, haven't, I haven't tried 5Ds When 5D they yet. fart, you just smell it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you know, no, in, in a 5D movie, you get stuck in that bookshelf thing from the end of Interstellar. No. <laughs> and then you end your life. <laughs> It was such a good movie, but I would not rewatch it. It was too long. And you, and you, you just sort of float between scenes of the movie. And, just, and yeah. Oh, that could actually be kind of cool. And then you just go around. <laughs> and then how much do you pay for one movie? But they require you to shout the main character's name repeatedly. Murph! 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 Smurf! I didn't ask you for that. <laughs> Smurf? No, I'm not gonna. I'm definitely not seeing a Smurf movie in any number of D's. Oh, I do not want Smurf D. <laughs> no, those need to stay in cartoon. Oh, those are. Oh, even the. Have you actually watched the original cartoon, like, oh as an adult? No, only an, as a kid. Okay, because. I like the series where they went around the world. Well, there was the grandpa dressed in yellow, and they brought them like they they actually traveled through times and like countries. So you got to see I did different. Not see that one. That was the only Smurf thing that I liked, because there was some kind of point. They were stuck there somehow, and then they had to find their way back in by solving stuff. It was cool. I've I've rewatched parts of the first season as an adult, um, and that show is that show is racist as hell. Like the whole origin of the girl Smurf. I don't remember her name. Mm, Smurfette. Smurfette. That's right. Because <laughs> like the origin is um, Gargamel creates this like evil Smurf girl, and they turn they turn her into a good one. Yeah, right? they turn her good, but like they don't only turn her good; they turn her blonde. Oh reason... yes, she was she was red or brown. No, she had black hair. She had black hair. She had black hair originally. <laughs> and then they turn her blonde, and that's how she becomes good. Ouch. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and it's... And then, I mean, like, you can't get away from the whole KKK imagery. I'm sorry. There's there's no way of getting away from that. What I don't like is that English speakers say Smurf. It is not Smurf. It's a German name, Strumpf. And it means sock, and that's what they have on their heads. Oh. Their so name cool. means socks. So basically... That it should not be Smurf. It should be Strumpf. That's what we Strumpf. keep in French. Oh, okay. We kept the actual name, and it makes no sense if you move it, but it sort of brings you away from the KKK image if you think that they're just stupid enough to put a sock on their face. Making it German does not make it sound less no. racist. No, I'm saying that you, if it's a, if the idea is you're wearing a sock on your head, you're not actually wearing a K a KKK's whatever yeah. you're going. I think I mean, Sockheads would have been a fun title. Right? Yeah. Sockhead. And then they wouldn't have had that stupid thing where they used the word Smurf to mean like so many other movies. Or so other many. Ha. Words? Words. But they that's still the do that. They say, they say Strumpf. Oh, I, that's so annoying to me. I did that all night yesterday with my roommate. Everything <laughs> I said, I changed it. 
Just strumph. And then after a while, she got bored and I kept going. She was like, no, you win. And I kept going. And I kept smurfing. Uh, <laughs> or strumph. Was it smurfing or strumphing? No, I was speaking English, so. Okay. All right. Okay, so oh, uh, no, Rise I, of the... I was speaking French. It was not my roommate. Okay. Anyway. It was <laughs> it was my French friend my French friend on a shoot. Anyway. Lisa? Yes. Okay. It was Lisa. Oh yeah, true, you met her. So we were speaking we she, were she's talking the about reason I met you. Yeah. I met her first. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> so yes, I was talking with Lisa and we were speaking in French, but she did say I won and got bored okay. of saying Strumpf. <laughs> Strumpf. Uh, all right. Fun times. Indeed. So yeah, Rise of the Guardians, uh, a really great family Christmas movie. Um, if you're looking to add a new movie to your uh, repertoire of Watch holiday it. movies, absolutely recommended. Um, it deserves your attention. And you can fangirl over Jack Frost because he's super cute. It's true. He's dreamy. When you're like 14. Yeah. <laughs> Or if you are really into like K-pop style guys, oh, he's he's very he's very K-poppy, he's very K-poppy. Okay, well, thank you for listening to this episode of Flappy Bombs. Uh, I am Zakari Westbrook, Ariane, and we'll see you next time. Bye bye. My name is Jack Frost, and I'm a guardian. How do I know that? Because the moon told me so. So when the moon tells you something, believe it.